This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What is an influencer? How does someone become an influencer? And what does this job mean for our society? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. Okay, let's talk about something. I recently read a stat on Forbes that said one in four younger Americans now want to become influencers. It's now the number one job younger kids want to be. So sorry, NASA. Tough luck, Google. Forget it, medical field. You are now competing with smartphones. I mean, this is huge. Some of the world's top influencers have millions of followers across Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Some of those make millions of dollars. Through content creation and brand partnerships, they've successfully persuaded generations of audiences that their expertise is not only noteworthy, but also trustworthy. So how has the job of an influencer altered our perception of the word celebrity? What are the qualifications for becoming an influencer? And is it a sustainable career? There are so many questions about this field, and here to talk me through all of them is the CEO of the Out Loud group, Brad Hoos. And Brad joins me now to talk all about what is an influencer, what they do, and how it's kind of just affected how we operate in society. So Brad, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me, Abby. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, you know, this is wild because, you know, I went to college in Los Angeles and I am not pinpointing where all the influencers come out of, but I feel like since I've graduated, which which was a little bit ago, but, um, you know, so many of my friends have gone on to want to become influencers or they start out in a regular job and then they say, hey, look, I can become an influencer. But we hear that word. It's almost a buzzword. We hear it all the time, but there are different types, um, different levels, and it's really been kind of influencing our society. So let's just start, Brad, how do you define what an influencer is? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. These days, kids have like their number one job preference in terms of when they grow up is to be an influencer in the United States, which which says a lot about where we are as a society. But that's a different question than what you asked. <laughs> I, I think an influencer is someone who has a, a trust of an audience within a certain domain area of expertise. And people actually want to hear what this individual has to say. Now, a lot of times we go outside of their halo of expertise and they, the audience still really, really wants to hear what they, they have to say. But fundamentally, an influencer is someone who has the trust of an audience because of expertise within a specific domain area. Okay. Let me ask you this though, because I, I totally, that's what I would think, right? It's almost like a marketing thing. And then brands can start to ask these influencers, like, let's say it's a travel person and they now have a Columbia backpack on and, and things like that. But so often I see people come up that I'm like, wow, that person makes $6 million a year, but they do like dancing TikToks or they do, I don't have a TikTok, but you know, it's across the country. You have like dancing TikToks or they do like funny videos. So what would their expertise be? 
Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I mean, this does not have to be an, a top of the intelligence expertise, right? This does not need to be, you know, the, the the details of World War II or something along those lines. If someone is really fantastic in terms of being able to to dance or entertain, like that can be where people trust this person. And and I do think you're right that there there starts to be a fine line here between creators who just entertain people and creators who people really, really like and trust because there, there is a really fine line of di distinction there, but ultimately both would be considered influencers, right? Because you have this following people like you, people trust you, but there are different degrees of trust and you're really, really smart to, to zero in on that right away. Okay. So I, I would like to clarify because you put it much more eloquently than I did. I didn't mean to belittle anybody who does dancing TikToks or videos or things like that. My question in which you now answered, so thank you, was more, you know, if, if someone has an area of, of expertise, in my mind, it immediately goes to, okay, like, you know, they're really good at cooking. So I'm going to learn something from their cooking videos but you brought up a good point it's not just that you're trying to learn something from them like the dancing tiktoks what where i was going with that is that maybe i'm watching but i'm not trying to learn how to dance but it is entertainment so you're saying their area of expertise can just be entertainment they don't technically have to be teaching you anything that's correct. It's interesting because you talked about cooking channels. Well, a lot of people don't actually have the ambition to cook themselves, but they still like to watch the cooking channels, right? They can <laughs> appreciate the art and the, you know, the the incredible detail that these the chefs have, um, but they don't actually have any desire to do it themselves. So it's, it is an interesting thing where you don't necessarily have to have the desire to repeat or learn what you're seeing. You just can appreciate the art of it as as well. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At what point do you become an influencer? Because, you know, I, I do have some people I know that uh, they post things as if they're influencers, but they have like a thousand followers. Is that still an influencer? I would say yes. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, if I'm, I'm a marketer, right? So we start to like to put labels and frameworks on on things. But but ultimately, the, the power of influencer marketing is that there's trust that exists between this content creator and their audience. And so, you know, we, we, you might hear the term micro influencers quite a, quite a bit. So generally speaking, that when you're a smaller influencer and you have this smaller circle of followers, those people trust your recommendations even more. Mm. So that can be that can be really powerful for for brands to tap into. But also, it's a lot more work, right? Because if I'm working with someone who has a thousand followers, like you were mentioning, like that's that's a lot more work to be able to reach a, a million people because we have to we have to you know tap into a hundred thousand of, of those creators now. So it, it's just varying degrees of of scale. But ultimately, I think you can be an influencer even if you have a relatively small audience. But I will say, you know, I. I at, at the Out Loud Group, my company, and we work with with big brands to to run influencer campaigns. And we typically start working with influencers who have in the neighborhood of thirty thousand uh, views per piece of content. That's that's generally our baseline, and I think a lot of brands' baselines. But 
you know, the micro influencer campaign strategy can be really effective for, for brands because of the reasons we talked about, like smaller circle and, and generally more trust in that circle. Mm-hmm. So then uh, you're saying that you brought up micro influencer. I'm looking here. There's nano, micro, macro and mega. Uh, what are those number breakdowns? What is each category to to become one of those influencers? How many followers do you have to have? You know, it's interesting. So there's not a universally accepted range for for that, but but generally speaking, I would consider you know nano to be something that's less than a thousand. I would consider micro to be something that's less than than you know five thousand people. And then when you when you're talking about the mega, the other side of the spectrum, it's generally speaking when you're getting at least a million views per per piece of content. Some people would bump that up to be something around like five million views. Mm-hmm. Um, but but ultimately it's just you know it's it's a scale it's a gradient and it's interesting you know i've been working in this arena for 15 years and there's not necessarily a universally accepted set of terms for those specific ranges yeah that's interesting and i feel like it's probably always changing the more social media becomes um accepted and and used then you know you might have different definitions of numbers i mean when it first started there weren't people who had Four, 14 million followers. I mean, that took some time. Um, and now now we have that. So you have to continually change that definition, I, I assume. Um, you know, I I am curious. You said you're, you guys are marketers. So how have you seen just our, the way we operate? How do you think our society has changed in terms of marketing um, to consumers? If you're a brand and you're going in and you're saying, all right, I want more people to buy this product, where are you looking more now than ever when it comes to influencers? Well, I, I think I think it's really fascinating when you think about influencers' role in society as a whole. So if we were to rewind the clock decades, we would look back and say, okay, if you're a marketer, if you're a brand and you want to reach a lot of people, you're probably going to do that through television where the eyeballs are. And decades ago, you had a handful of options, right? You had Fox, obviously, right, the best. But then you had you know, ABC, NBC, CBS. And that was kind of it in terms of who you who you could uh, be able to, to market towards. And, and then came cable TV. And as a marketer, I was like, wow, right? Instead of these four huge networks, now there's like 40 or 50 people. So if I want to try to market on MTV or ESPN, now that's an option for me. And suddenly people started to say, oh, I can I can connect a little bit more to these different channels. And, and now like this next wave of influencers is it's almost limitless, right? And so you have these thousands and thousands of, of, of influencers where people can opt in to folks that they're really interested in and they trust and they like. And I think that's allowed like the, you know, this rise of individualism that, that exists today where people can choose what organization they want to be part of by clicking the follow button. And, and I think that's really powerful. And, and I think it makes it harder for brands too, because you can't just mass market and, and be able to connect with people. But what influencers do is they allow you to find these pockets of really interesting and passionate people who trust someone. And, and brands are more and more figuring out that that is a fantastic way to win over the hearts and minds of, of consumers just through these influencers and these pockets of, of audience that exist out there today. That's really interesting. I didn't think about that because, you know, you run a television ad and obviously there are different demographics that watch each show. So that goes into some of your marketing strategy. But when it comes to influencers, you really do kind of have a specific 
people are following you for a reason, you know, and and for you to say, yeah, you're not you can't mass market as much anymore. You kind of have to pinpoint these pockets of people um, that can go that can be an advantage or a disadvantage because it's more narrow. But yet, you know, if you have a product, that's your that's your demographic. You got it. You got it. And, and what's what's really interesting is for for creators now is that when when people choose to follow that that creator right generally it's because they're they're experts in a domain area of uh, a domain area that the audience is interested in but what happens is the audience starts to trust that creator's recommendation outside of their area of expertise so not to nerd out too much but in, in psychology there's this ph- phenomenon called the halo effect where the example I like to use is I have this friend who's a doctor, really, really smart, smart guy. He's definitely someone you should go to if you have health questions. But what I've seen in my circle of friends is people start gravitating towards him because they like him and they trust him. They start to ask him for financial recommendations or tips. And I sort of mm. chuckle. I'm like, he, he's not credible at all in this space. But the, the psychology is that people start to trust him in other areas. And so that can happen with influencers as well. So you might start out being being a chef, being, uh, you know, dancing, being about a science influencer. But suddenly people are wanting to hear their recommendations about, you know, what they're cooking at night for their for their family or, well, you know, what what products they have on their on their shelf or how they're managing, you know, hair loss, whatever the case may, may be. There's a strong interest in this because of this halo effect. So there's this really fascinating piece where you can be part of this community, where you can tap into a community of, of trust that exists, even if your product is outside of what's generally covered in that community. Wow. I, you know, so you said that's the halo effect. That's correct. Yes. Okay. So this, this begs another question then. So if you're an influencer and your expertise is cooking and now every, all of a sudden people start asking you, Oh, what vitamins do you use? Or, I mean, which can kind of go hand in hand if it's a health vitamin and you're cooking clean and all that. But, um, if it's unrelated to what you are doing as an influencer, what kind of responsibility do influencers have? Because, you know, some people out there, they might fake it till they make it. They might be like, all right, I need to retain my audience. This person's asking me a financial question, even though I'm a chef and my area expertise is more of a cooking kind of kind of thing. Um, at what point do you draw the line and say, you know what, I don't know that answer. And do you think this is a double double question? Do you think that our influencers that we have in our society have the wherewithal to be like, all right, you know what, I'm going to be responsible and admit that I don't know that answer? Yeah, no, it, that, that is, in, in my opinion, that is the number one question mark with the influencer industry going forward. Um, and, and, and that is, are influencers authentically advocating for brands or are they doing so as a, as a money grab? And, and one of the things that we, we see as an influencer agency is that who are the creators that are saying no the most frequently? And, and the, the, the creators that are saying no to brand deals most often generally are the ones that are performing the best because they really only want to advocate for something that they feel good about. So there might be a creator who, you know, is it, it talks about history, but if they personally use Robinhood to invest in, in stocks and, and, they, and they like the experience, then that's great. Like they, they can and should advocate for, for that product because of their personal experience. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're, they're in danger of being the, you know, the next maven on, on mall on wall street, mm-hmm. but it means that they, they, you know, they do have a strong personal connection to, to the product. And I think, I think that's where there is, there is power. And the good news is that humans, you know, we have, we have our faults, right? But we're, we're pretty smart and we're pretty good at being able to 
suss out BS. And, and I don't remember the exact stats here, Abby, but you know, when we communicate, there's like 90 different mechanisms that we communicate and, and hear and understand it. And only, I believe four of them are, are verbal. And so when you have a creator that's advocating for a product that, or service that they don't really believe in, the audience is really good at, at figuring that out in most cases. And, and that that's probably not going to perform very well for that creator. So the creator is going to be pushing some to their audience that they don't necessarily believe in or don't have the credibility mm. to advocate for it. Generally, it's not going to work. And so that's sort of a, a fail safe where it, it's not going to compound it, itself. But but really, I mean, one, one of the biggest ways you know brands can work with creators that are going to be effective is making sure they're, they're working with creators who've been effective in the past. And creators know this, you know, they, they, as they continue to become more and more savvy and realize that, hey, the best, the, you know, the best predictor of future performance is historical results. And they want to have that, that uh, to be able to stack up wins with brands that are a good fit. So, you know, I, I still remain very optimistic that there are incentives that are aligned between creators and brands to make sure it's a good fit. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I, there, there's, there always are going to be you know, bad actors in the space. And I think this is something that we as a society, you know, need to keep keep an eye on is making sure that influencers really are the right ones to advocate for for different products and to, to make sure we're aware of, of what's what's happening in, in the background and, and why they might be advocating for, for products and services. Absolutely. I mean, you would hope that if someone is advocating for something, they actually mean it. But you're right. I mean, people do. Sometimes you question, you're like, oh, is that does that person really wear Crocs? I don't I don't know if they really do wear Crocs out to the to the bar, you know. Um, I, I kind of think of it, how this world has changed and, um, you know, back, I feel like the original influencers were celebrities. I mean, they were doing marketing campaigns and they still do with celebrities. I think of Jennifer Aniston and Smartwater, uh, Taylor Swift for Diet Coke, things like that. Um, so how do you draw the line now between, a celebrity and an influencer because I read a stat recently that I believe I have to look it back up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's oh, here it is. Yeah. 70% of teens trust social media influencers more than celebrities. Right. Yeah. You, you, you touch on that also important five letter word, which is trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference between influencers and, and celebrities, right? So Shaq, just kind of like Jennifer Aniston, he's, he's all over the place, right? I mean, people know and, and like Shaq, what's not to, what's not to like about him, but people don't necessarily trust Shaq, right? Uh, I don't think there's any distrust there, but you know, it, that's very different from someone who you really care and want their their opinion on things with with influencers right so we live in a world where people hate to be sold to um more and more right millennial gen z especially hate to be sold to ad blockers online are extremely popular because we hate seeing ads and being sold to but yet with influencers we've clicked that follow button and we actually really want that individual's recommendations, right? I call it like the cool older cousin. I don't know if you had any Abby <laughs> growing up, but 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 I had a couple or like Chris and Doug, man, whatever they did was, was really <laughs> what, what, what I wanted to do. And so I think that's what's what's powerful with influencers that celebrities don't have is that we really are like jonesing for understanding what their recommendation is and 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 what 
creators think is the the coolest thing or the right novel approach to to a problem. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you have someone who is an expert in makeup and you follow them for makeup tips and they're saying, hey, use this foundation or use this mascara, you're probably going to go get it. I mean, it, I, that's, you know, it is, you, you can get more eyes on it because people are constantly scrolling through their phones. Not always is someone turning on their TV and watching a commercial, you know, and then, you know, commercials are kind of times where people might mute it uh, or go cook some dinner and, and do something during the commercial. So it is kind of fascinating to observe how that kind of marketing has changed. Um, I, I've, I have continued to be blown away by the amount of money that influencers can make. Do you think that plays a large role into why so many Americans now want to become influencers? I mean, you're talking about 25% of younger Americans want to become influencers, or maybe you, you mentioned it's the number one job now people want. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I, look, there, there's a lot of money that can be be had there for for sure. I, I think you know th- this gets into sort of a philosophical question: is you know wh- what do we value as a society? And and this is something where the the number one job in America for for youth is different than than other nations around the around the world. And I, and I do think you know we have um, moved from a nation. Of of building you know innovative new solutions to problems to to being more um, building you know digital products and social media platforms and being able to have voice for for different people and and, and I think there's there's a lot of good in that so that that's not necessarily a huge negative bent there but but I think we've prioritized that you know the 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 ability to reach people digitally through these through these platforms and so i, I think we're, it's really kind of more a representation of, of where we are you know as as a society as opposed to anything else mm. but certainly i do think the dollars associated with the, the industry are, are big I, I consider creators decentralized media companies and, and so there's a lot of dollars in in media when you're able to reach people's hearts and, and minds, that's that's powerful. And I think people see that. And I think it's appealing just for our own vanity in terms of being able to have a lot of people hear what we have to, to say and it feels good. And, and the maybe more um, charitable is that we can make a bigger impact by having a bigger audience. So it, it is it is really fascinating to, to see the, the evolution and the, the industry maturing and, and the dollars that are being thrown thrown around and 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 I and I think there's again like we talked about before I think there's a lot of positive because people can now figure out the, and, and see different you know cultures and thoughts and expressions that they weren't able to to before and so that I think is a positive aspect of of where we are with the influencer creative creator economy. Mm-hmm. Well, if you, so if you were talking to someone who looks at that and they're listening to you say, all right, well, I can actually influence people and I can do this and I can connect with a larger audience now. How would you suggest they evolve their social media platform? Do you have any tips for people? Sure. I think the, the, the first tip is be as focused as you possibly can. So if if you want to be known as as you know the the finance person, great. But like, what's the second and third uh, level underneath that where you can really focus and 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 have the content be really specific and consistent in terms of what someone can expect to see. There's a lot of content that that's out there now, and so to to be able to separate 
um, signal from noise, I think the recommendation is to, to go as narrow as you can, and then to to pick a platform, right? Because uh, TikTok and YouTube are, are fundamentally different platforms, and trying to be successful on both out of the out of the gates is is probably where, where you're going to you know spread yourself too thin. But so I, I would say pick a platform, pick a topic, and and force yourself, you know, commit to putting out content on a very regular schedule for for at least a year. Uh, before you start to you know drive any sort of judgment in terms of whether this is something that you want to you want to keep doing or or, or not, um, but but the the power is really I think going specific and and being focused and frankly that's probably true for most any sort of entrepreneurial and mm. endeavor here as as well. Is there one platform that is better than other ones for making more money or targeting more people? Yeah, good, good question. I'd say no in terms of targeting more people. There's, there's, there's an audience across. I mean, all these big platforms, right? Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, pod, podcasting. Um, but, but it is interesting. I mean, here, here in 2023, I, I do see more and more creators gravitating towards YouTube as the gold standard in terms of consistent payment. Really? And, and yes. And and the reason for that is sort of TikTok is is great, right? But you know, the the content is so short, and so the ads tend to be interstitial. It's a fancy word, right? So basically, means that the ads are between pieces of content. Whereas on YouTube, if you have a ten minute video, it's really easy for YouTube to put an ad in the middle of the video, right, or at the beginning or, or at the end. So it, it can mm. be clearly earmarked. Oh, person was 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 watching Abby's video and and so we ran an ad during Abby's video and so the creator gets gets those dollars. And so that consistency in terms of being able to have dollars go to the creator is is an advantage that YouTube has over TikTok. So TikTok, you know, folks uh, will go viral and can have millions and millions of, of views on a video more easily than YouTube and that's powerful. But in terms of the consistent revenue flow, that's something that TikTok has definitely not mastered. And, and we continue to see a lot of TikTokers come to us to try to say, you know, how can we get more, more following, more of attraction on, on YouTube because of the consistency of the, of the revenue stream. So I'm, I'm still a big fan of the, the long form uh, content on, on YouTube and with shorts. I think there's a, a tremendous opportunity there as well. I know you've covered this on some of your other podcast, on your other episodes here as well, but there's, there's uncertainty in terms of the, the future of TikTok and, and what that's going to look like, you know, here in the U S market. Yeah. That was going to be my next comment was people who are on TikTok now. I mean, we're already seeing some government, government, uh, you know, areas block TikTok when they're at the office or, you know, on their government cell phones, things like that. So you never know how far that's going to go and, and the future of certain social media platforms. I mean, Vine, that people might have thought that they were going to make a career in Vine and then look what happened. So I guess uh, that brings up another question. How sustainable, if you're going to only be an influencer and you have all these young Americans saying, hey, this is going to be my goal. This is what I'm going to do for my living. Um, at what point do you say or do you do you think those people should be doing other things? things as well, just in case, or how sustainable is that as a job where you come in the, into this as a 21 year old and now all of a sudden you're 40 and are you still going to be able to be making that the same content? Yeah, no, th this is an important topic. And, and I would add clubhouse to the mix too, right? A couple right. of years ago, everyone was talking about clubhouse and I, I don't hear a lot of chatter around that these days. Look, I, I think for, for creators that are successful and, and who develop an audience, um, that that's a great long-term sustainable 
um, career for, for them. And when you develop an audience, they're going to follow you from platform to platform. And a, a lot of creators are, are trying to make sure they do own the audience connection, um, whether that's through an, an email newsletter or trying to have, have their own URL or through uh, Patreon, whatever the case is, they, they want to try to have connections to their audience that isn't fully dependent on, on platforms. And some platforms like we talked about are, are, are uh, a little bit rockier than, than others. But if, if you have the connection with your audience, I think you have a, a sustainable future. And, and again, going back to what I said earlier, like YouTubers or really any content creator, they're, they're decentralized media companies. So if you've had success in terms of building and growing and engaging with a massive audience, I mean, there is going to be career opportunities for you in, in the future, even if your, your star, you know, on, on your particular you know, channels isn't shining as bright today as it was two years ago or, or five years ago, you'll have learned a tremendous amount and, and there'll be a lot of oppor opportunity for you today. But the, the advice I, I always give creators is, hey, one, make, make sure you're not fully you know, dependent upon any one platform because they could change the rules tomorrow mm. on you um, and, and you could be in, be in trouble and, and try to have as close of a, of a direct connection with your with your audience uh, as as possible. And there's a lot of interesting things that are that are happening there um, with with creators and, and developing that direct relationship with their audience. We'll be right back after this. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best—it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line—it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Speaking of the rules changing, every platform does kind of have a different set of rules too, which goes back to your point of picking a platform and sticking, you know, being like, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to do Instagram or I'm going to do TikTok or whatever it may be. I have a few people I know who work in the tech industry and I know that they've told me some platforms, if it's a video, it counts um, a view as something different as another platform. So let's say it's TikTok and all you have to do is scroll past the video and be on that video for, let's say, like half a second and it counts that as a view, but maybe something like Instagram counts a view as watching the whole video. So when you're becoming an influencer, what would you tell them when it comes to how these different platforms count views as different numbers? Because a video on Instagram might get 5,000 views, but TikTok might have 100,000 because it has a different definition. Mm -hmm. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. I think YouTube is the most conservative and a, a view counts when you're at 30 seconds, but other platforms are, are much shorter than that. I mean, the, the good news is that that's information that you can, you can find pretty easily and, and, and be tuned into. And, and I think ultimately as a, as a creator, you know, like what is the trust level between you and your audience? And, and if you can, if you can develop that trust in a 30 second video, then fantastic, you know, do that, continue to, to build on it. And if, and if you feel like you need to, to do it through other channels or longer form video, then, and that's what you need to do. I mean, ultimately, you know, every creator is different in terms of what they're doing. Certainly the, the momentum for, for us is having, you know, shorter and shorter attention spans. So the, the shorter the content can be, the, the better in terms of getting your audience to, to watch all of it. But the flip side is, I mean, it takes time to build trust, right? And so that can be 
be through multiple pieces of content, or that can be through longer form video. And, and, you know, there's not a one size fits all approach for that, but you're spot on that, you know, as a creator, you need to understand the metrics and and how you're being measured and and what that looks like um, in terms of what a view is and and also what is an engagement, you know, look look like um, and and to, to make sure you're understanding how, how marketers and how platforms are, are viewing your, your success. Uh, Cause that ultimately, and it's not always linear, but that ultimately does translate into, into dollars for you when you're getting views and highly engaged audience uh, that's consuming your content. What do you think is the biggest challenge to an influencer? It's really hard to continue to put out content mm. that you feel good about and to, to, to sustain it when you get some you know negative content negative um feedback and and maybe you're uh, not seeing the views be where you want to i mean that that can be really really hard i mean look uh, i'm sure all listeners here are, are hardworking uh people and, and can appreciate that uh, but you know when you have a rough day it's not necessarily public for everyone to be able to to see and to sort of pounce on and and so that can be really mentally draining for a creator who's putting everything they can into their their content and then they'll they'll have some content that has a lot of negative con- comments or, or, or thumbs down, whatever the case may, may be. And to be able to continue to persevere through those moments of, 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 of negative feedback from your audience and to continue to, to push through plateaus, it's something that's really hard for, for creators. Um, and, and, and I know that, you know, a lot of creators and, and a lot of entrepreneurs can be challenged in terms of mental health be, because of that and the expectation to like always be positive and, and always be advancing and, and furthering things. And, you know, that life is not a success only journey, right? And mm-hmm. you, you, you definitely are going to have ups and downs on that path as, as creator. If, if you're like, you know, 95% of the successful creators, I mean, some, some creators do just have a meteoric rise to the top, but that's that's not normal in terms of how things are, are are played out in terms of developing an audience um and and getting getting a, a strong following. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the mental health aspect because now more than ever there is a bigger push when it comes to social media to, you know, put your phone down, enjoy more time with your your friends, your family to be present. Not, you know, that's that's obviously a slogan, but it's not always put into practice, but I I do think that the younger generation is pushing that more. So do you see that, you know, I never want to phrase it as caring for your mental health is a threat to anything because you should always be caring about your, your mental health. But do you think that presents challenges to the job of an influencer? If you have people now setting a time limit on their Instagram, putting their phone down more, um, is that going to, how do you think that'll affect the future of influencers? Yeah, I, I feel pretty good that we're we're gonna the influencers are still gonna have a huge, tremendous audience. Um, I think we all aspire to do that, but if you if you look at the numbers in terms of the the amount of content that's consumed, you know, day over day, uh, year over year, I guess I should say. I mean, it does continue to go up, although it's sort of peaked because I just think there's only 24 hours in a day <laughs> and we need to sleep <laughs> and, eat and do different things. So I, I feel pretty good about creators still being able to have, you know, strong audiences and an interest in terms of watching their their content. But but it does get harder and harder to stay relevant because there's so many creators that, that are out there. There's so much fighting for uh that, that's happening for your eyeballs on the, on these different platforms and so it, it it is taxing because 
you know, even if you know, once you do climb to a certain spot, you're, you're probably not going to stay at that level and, like for forever and to be okay knowing that, oh, hey, okay, I used to get 2 million views per video and, and now I'm averaging 1 million. I mean, which is still fantastic, but that, that can be really hard and, and really draining, um, you know, be, because the industry is, uh, has evolved and there's new players and there's different interests and you need to kind of stay true to your audience. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of challenges from, from a mental health perspective with, with creators and, and their audience. And, you know, Hey, we, we still live in a, uh, a physical world and, and while, you know, the digital world is a, a key part of it, there's, there's a need for all of us to get the heck away from our, our, our cell phones and retreat to, to nature, uh, once in a while as well. Yes. Um, completely. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, Brad, how many, how many clients do you guys have or how many people do you help? Oh, geez. Uh, we, we generally probably work with, um, like 25 brands on, on an ongoing base. So big brands like, you know, Simply Safe, Athletic Greens, Fiverr, Grubhub are, mm-hmm. are our clients. And with creators, we're, we're running you know, uh, content with, um, you know, thousands of creators on a, on a monthly, uh, on a monthly basis. So um, we're, we're working with some, you know, huge creators, some of whom we, we represent. Um, and so there's, there's a lot that's, that's happening in the industry and continues to, to grow and grow. So if you work with thousands of creators, have you noticed, um, if there's a gap anywhere? I mean, uh, for example, if you look at, you know, the breakdown of what influencers kind of target you'd have, you have makeup, fitness, fashion, things like that. Is there something that you believe is maybe the next big market to hit as an influencer? Yeah, I guess there's a there's a couple of areas that, that I've I've seen. I think one is sort of the whole financial world. There's mm. more and more creators who are, are making recommendations, whether it's you know the, the the crypto world or investing or insurance or you know day to day you know financial hacks. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of of growth that that's happening there. And and I also go and I, I look because. Um, as a marketer, there's different prices that you have to pay by vertical in general. So beauty influencers or fashion influencers tend to be more expensive than sort of like outdoors creators. And, and I think it is harder to create that outdoor uh, content because you have to be, you know, you have to travel and you have to be in these different in- environments. Um, but but I do think there's there's more and more appetite for for the outdoors types of creators or travel creators because I think that's something that we all aspire to see more and, and, and experience different parts of the world. And and creators are no different than the, the movies, right? Is a way to be able to see and experience things outside of what's around the uh, outside of the blocks that are surrounding you. So I think people really appreciate that and, and gravitate towards that. So I do expect that we uh, I, there to be more entrants and, and creators there. But you know, Abby, it's so interesting because I mean, creators are pretty u- ubiquitous now across so many different things. So so I think what, what we will see, you know, go- going forward is even with you know Chat CPT, you know, go- mm. going forward is I think we're going to see a lot more. Uh, excuse me, GPT. Uh, we're going to see um, more things. That are automatically created created using using AI. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a fascinating path forward in terms of being able to create you know history content or anything that's completely fact based to be able to develop right. that content with with very little effort. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see how how that plays out um, go, going forward. In addition to all sort of the the human or, or creator developed content. 
Man, chat GBT, that's a whole whole different podcast. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, you did say something in there that gave me hope is that, you know, I, I host a show about national parks and I always try to bring people along and, you know, post about where I am and give people tips. So um, I guess this is my last question then for you, Brad. Is there a way that you would tell me how to do this if I could get Dave and Busters to sponsor me? How would I go about that? I'm getting free advice here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, first thing you should do is is really like Dave and Buster's and, and make sure that I love Dave that's, and Buster's seen and obvious. Uh, make sure that's seen in your content as as well. And and then I would just re- reach out to him and, and and approach the marketing team with with an idea, right? With with a thought of something that that you could do because you know mar- marketers have almost infinite places where they can spend their their dollars. And, and I think that's one of the hardest things is that if if a if a particular brand has decided that you know for 2023 they've allocated money towards a TV budget, then it's going to be really really tough to to sell. Um, so, but hey, everyone likes to to opportunistically go after things that are creative and innovative and they see some value in. So I would just say, hey, create the create the pitch, have the specific idea, and and try to engage them with the. With, with, with a conversation and, and, and I like your odds, Abby. Yes, that's great. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> I just want unlimited points so that I can just play uh, Papa Shaw all day long. That's all I need. They don't even need to yes. pay me. I just want to I just want to play games all day. <laughs> I love it. I lo- you, you did hit a sore spot for me, though. So I, I went to business school and the, the start of business school. We had this Papa Shot tournament and I finished in second place. Oh. So sh- shout out to Josh Steely, who, who took me down. But what a heartbreak. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, it re- really is. But I think I think I'm almost over that. So you getting the Dave and Buster <laughs> sponsorship and just crushing it on, on Papa Shot, that would help me heal. So I really hope perfect. Well, anytime you want to go play, I am game. I, I accept any and all competitors. So we'll we'll make that happen. Love it. Love it. Let's do it. <laughs> Brad, thank you so much. You give a lot of great insight. I appreciate you coming on and I'll talk to you in the future. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Abby. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about influencers. Number one, Brad describes an influencer as someone who has gained the trust of an audience within a certain domain area of expertise. He stressed how important trust is when becoming an influencer. Number two, something I found interesting that Brad brought up is called the halo effect. What that basically means is if someone gains trust in you in one area and really likes you, they might start to trust you in other areas. For example, people might start asking a doctor for their financial advice. That, in my opinion, is where there might be a bit of a dangerous line because it's now the moral responsibility of that influencer to admit when they don't know something. And number three, Brad looks at influencers as decentralized media companies where you can make a big impact with large audiences. If your audience trusts you, you can pinpoint pockets of people who follow you because they trust you. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this podcast on influencers. And you can learn more from Brad on his website, outloudgroup.com. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.